Hands up if you were alive in 2003. Okay, there's a few more than I expected. 2003 was a brilliant year. Uh, can anyone tell me why 2003 was a brilliant year? Because Penrith Panthers won the grand final. Woo! Um, any Penrith supporters out here? Oh, boy. One! You and me. Yeah. Uh, 2003, I was living in the eastern suburbs. A mad Penrith supporter. We made the grand final. We were playing the Roosters. I was living in Roosters territory. We played the Roosters. We won. I celebrated. I partied all night. That feeling of victory is amazing. That feeling like you're walking on air. That feeling like nothing can go wrong. That feeling like there's this Eye of the Tiger soundtrack playing in the background and you just hear it. There is no better feeling than the feeling of victory. Except sometimes victory doesn't actually feel that good at all. Sometimes you can get an incredible win and have the opposite kind of feeling. Let me trade areas, trade arenas from sport over into academics. And let me tell you about a time that I had an epic victory that left me feeling angry and frustrated. The year was 2004, so fast forward a year from 2003. I'm at university. Um, Now, this might seem um, like a total surprise to you guys, um, but I was somewhat of a nerd. Um, And so I went to uni and I did an engineering degree and and the all-time favourite subject that I did was uh, a subject on traffic management. Does that sound exciting to you guys or what? Uh, A subject on traffic management. The 50% of the grade for that subject, 50%, was one assignment where we had to design a bus company. And I loved it. I got so excited. We had to design a bus company that, that made the most amount of money. So you had to work out who needs to get on buses. Who would be willing to pay money to get on buses? I went out there and I did street surveys. I went out there and I found legislation to see how long you could make a bus driver work. I went out there and I spent hours and hours and hours. I started two months before the due date, which is very rare for me at the best of times. I started early. I nailed that assignment. And and get this, 24 hours before the due date, I submitted it. I don't think I've ever done that on any other assignment in all of my life. I got in early, and that night I slept like a baby. Actually, I, that, that's a lie. When, when people say they slept like a baby, um, that, that's not a good night's sleep at all. I slept, I slept really, really well. A mate of mine who was doing the same subject I was living with started the assignment the day before. Hands up if you're one of those start the assignment the day before. Yep. My mate, he was a classic start the day before. He had an all-nighter. He OD'd on like coffee and mother and V and all of the energy drinks he could find. Stayed up all night and uh, and come whatever it was at due date, he submitted the assignment and then he went to bed. Two days later, I thought that was pretty quick actually. Two days later, the marks came out and I'm like, Wow. They managed to mark our assignments in two days. Normally, it's like two weeks before you get in back. Two days, and I opened my assignment, 100%, and I was cheering. I'd never got 100% in an assignment before in my life. I was cheering, and I couldn't wait to rub that in the face of my mate who had been pulling an all-nighter and did absolutely nothing beforehand. So I went and I, had it, I actually printed it out to show him just because I, I just wanted to really rub it in his face. I went and I said, guess what, mate? I got 100%. No, 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 no. How did you go? And he got out his piece of paper and it said 
and I, my whole heart just dropped. It turned out that there was a problem with the online submission and anyone who put in an assignment got 100%. I was shattered. I was devastated. I was angry. Not because I got 100%, because I felt like I deserved 100%. I was shattered because he got 100% too and he did not deserve it. How do you reckon he felt about getting 100%? He was... He was over the moon. He was, that was the best news he had ever had. He was surprised. He was gobsmacked. He was, he was dancing on the rooftops. He felt great. I felt horrible. Sometimes you don't feel great when you win a victory. I reckon that has something in common with the passage that was read for us a little bit earlier in Matthew 20. If you've got a Bible, Matthew 20... This passage talks about a couple of different people who react to exactly the same situation in two very different ways. Some excited, some angry. Matthew 20, starting in in verse 1. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Um, If you own a vineyard, you're obviously, you've got a bit of coin, uh, you make a bit of money and, uh, and he probably didn't really want to get his hands dirty. So he wanted to go out and employ people and he agreed to pay them a denarius, which is about a day's wage. Whatever you get at your age earning, you know, a full, uh, full shift or what, whatever place you go and work at, that's about a denarius. Now, uh, early in the morning, that's like 6 a.m. Um, youth, there is actually a 6 a.m. Um, it's really early. Sometimes it's dark, uh, but it's there. Uh, and they went out and they started working in his vineyard. Um, it doesn't tell us what he did. I don't know if they were shoveling poo like some of you guys did today. My guess is they were picking, uh, picking grapes. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing by in the marketplace doing nothing, and he said to them, you also go in my vineyard and I'll pay you whatever is right. He did the same thing at noon and three, and five in the afternoon, he found still others standing around. Now, the Bible doesn't really tell us how significant that is. But I want you guys to imagine you're the five o'clock workers. This is a culture, this is a, a world, this is an environment where if you were a day worker, you either worked and got paid or you didn't eat. They were the kind of two alternatives. The kind of people who did day work or who hung around in the marketplace in order to get day work, they were the kind of people who had nothing. They, well, odds are they had a family because that's why they were out hunting for work. But, but these were the kind of people that if they didn't get work, they went home and had to look their family and their kids in the eye and say, I don't have enough money for bread today. We're going to have to go a day without eating. And so when you've been there since six o'clock in the morning, hoping like crazy that someone will give you work and it gets to five o'clock, I'm guessing the hour between four and five dragged on and on and on and here you are in your mind stewing over, what am I going to say to my family? How am I going to cope? How am I not going to break down in tears when I have to walk in that door with nothing in my hand? How am I going to look at my kids 
How am I going to cope? And at that moment, the landowner comes and says, hey, you too come and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. Can you imagine the sense of relief that must have been going on in those workers? It must have been huge. And it only gets better. Uh, when evening came, verse 8, the owner of the vineyard said to the foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the, with the ones last hired and going on to the first. Those who were hired at five o'clock in the afternoon came and they each received a whole day's wage. How must they have felt? Thinking the whole day, I've got nothing to go home to. They finally get a job, they think maybe I'll have enough to buy like, I don't know, a couple of apples. And, and miraculously, graciously, he gets paid and they get paid an entire day's wage. They must have been skipping all the way home. They must have been doing handstands. They must have been floating in the air, that feeling of victory. They got a whole day's wage for one hour's work. They were celebrating. And of course, it got down to the guys who had been working since six o'clock in the morning. And, and they're thinking, man, if those guys got paid a whole day's wage for doing an hour's work, imagine how much money we're going to make. We're going to be rolling in it. We're going to be eating like roast pork with, you know, caviar and all those other things. And they get given a day's wages. Verse 12, those who were hired last worked only one hour they said and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day they felt exactly the same way that i felt i got a hundred percent i thought i deserved a hundred percent they got a day's wage how much did they agree to work for a day's wage they frustration was not because they didn't get what they deserved their frustration is that the man decided to pay other people the same as them they were cranky because the landowner showed grace how does that story make you feel if you're anything like me when i first read this story i got angry i felt the injustice I got really riled up and cranky saying how dare how dare those people who work the whole day get the same amount of money as the people who have been you know sitting around doing nothing and come in and do an hour's work I got really really angry in the same way that I was angry when my mate got hundred percent of the assignment because I didn't understand grace I didn't get it I did not get it and what changed me was when I asked the question, who are we in the passage? When Jesus told this story, he's just told the story of the, the, the rich, how hard it is for rich men to enter the kingdom of heaven because money stops them from loving God more. When, when, I, when I read the story, I thought of myself as the 6am worker. I put my self into that role in the story and that's why i got angry but god says no 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 <laughs> you are not the 6 a.m workers we are the 5 p.m workers 
Let me, put, let, me, let me try and convince you this way. Jesus says, um, there is one way to get into heaven. Well, actually, later on, he's going to say there's another way. But he says, the way to get into heaven is to be absolutely perfect, to never do anything wrong. If you do absolute everything absolutely perfect, you never do anything wrong, you deserve heaven, you will get what you deserve. How many people do you reckon do that? Certainly not me, and I'm guessing no one here. In fact, I can tell you no one here. The Bible says there's something that gets in the way of us going into heaven, and the Bible uses the term sin. And with sin, we don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve a full day's wage. We don't deserve eternal life. Now, when I, you know, as I was growing up, I, I, I wasn't a Christian at your age, and whenever I heard sin, I just heard people say something along the lines of, just be a better person. You know, Christians, they're all goody two-shoes who are better people. You think you're better than me. That, that was how I thought Christianity worked. And maybe there's some of you here tonight who feel the same way. But what I didn't understand is sin is not the things we do. Sin is ultimately who we are. To get your head around that and, and, and how it's not as simple as just being a good person. Um, I want to tell you about another time in my life that I was living in the, uh, the eastern suburbs. Um, and I lived in a real old-fashioned bachelor pad. It was me and three other single guys. And when you get a little bit further down the story, you'll understand why we were four single guys. Um, we lived in a place that, um, let's just say... Um, was no place for a lady. It was dank, it was dark, it smelled. Um, it, uh, it, it smelled of either like two-minute noodles or um, basically any cheap food that we could find. We didn't look after it very well. It was very cheap, but it was close to where we needed to go. Um, one of the guy's rooms smelled particularly bad all of the time. And, and we kept telling him, we, we tried to throw in hints, hey, um, hey Jimbo, um, how, how often do you shower? Um, Jimbo, have, have you ever heard about this thing called deodorant? Um, we, we tried to tell him in the politest way possible, Jimbo, your room stinks and it's overflowing into the whole house. Can you please do something about it? Um, and and he, he felt really bad because, you know, he kind of knew that it stung and he kept saying, it's not me, it's not me, and none of us believed him. When he moved out, um, one, we realised one of his walls was um, the wall that... Um, went and, and boarded with the, the bathroom and, and he had an, a giant bookshelf that covered that wall. When he took the books out and moved the bookshelf, we realised that the entire wall was a giant fungus. There was literally no wall left. It, it was kind of massively mouldy. Um, I don't know how it hadn't fallen down. Um, it stunk and it made sense to us. Um, no matter how much deodorant he put on in his room, no matter how many showers he had, his room was going to stink because the entire wall of his room was covered in mould. In order to stop that room from stinking, we needed to get rid of the wall. And we did. We actually had a giant party and smashed the wall down. It was great fun. Sin is a bit like that. We like to think maybe if I stop doing this or I start doing that, maybe I can get rid of sin in my life. But sin goes to the very core of who we are. Sin goes 
right through our very heart to the point that if we were to cut out the sin, there would be very little left. We are not the 6am workers. We are not getting what we deserve and that is the best news ever. The best news ever. When people read this passage and say, that doesn't seem fair, I'm like, you bet it doesn't and that is awesome because Christianity is exactly the same. Christians, if you're here today and you trust in Jesus, you are not getting what you deserve and that is great news because what you deserve, what I deserve, what this world deserves is judgment from a God who is personally displeased with how we respond to him. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, we get what we don't deserve. We get something that is not fair and that is Jesus opens up the gate and we get welcomed into heaven. That is incredible grace. And I've got to say, it took me a while as a Christian to understand that. Let me tell you how scandalous that is, how shocking that is. Because that might sound, yeah, that, that's great, we've known that for a while. Let me, let me give you an example of just how shocking that is, and you might see it through this example. My dad is a really, really nice guy. Uh, he is a wonderful husband, he's a great father, he works hard, he's honest, he doesn't trust Jesus yet. On the other side of things, I've got a mate who had a dad, and I say had, who was a drunk, abusive, horrible. The last three years of his life, he couldn't get out of a bed because he'd done so much damage to his body through substances. Yet six months before he died, someone came around and told him about Jesus and he accepted Jesus into his life. One of those two men at this stage, if Jesus was to come back, one of those two men would be in heaven and one wouldn't. And everything about, everything I know, everything about what's right and fair should say that my dad, who's a really good person, should go to heaven. And the guy who's abuse, who was abusive and didn't look after his body should go to hell. But Jesus says, no, it's the other way around. And again, part of me thinks that's so unfair. It's so unfair. And that's because we're looking at it from the perspective of the early morning workers. If you want a religion that's fair, in that sense, and Christianity is not it. And that is the best news in the world. The best news in the world is that the world is wrong and the Bible is right. The world says that people are generally good. That people are, are, are generally good. And, and when we go bad, we just need education to fix it. Is that, that's not that's the, what school teaches you, it's what, the, it's what everyone teaches you. The Bible says people are generally bad and we need a saviour. The world says people are generally good, we need education. The Bible says people are generally bad, we need a saviour. And again, it's 
the best news in the world. You don't know why? Because it's open to everybody. I don't know about you, but every time I look at Facebook or in the media, it feels like Christians are being bashed for being intolerant and small-minded and not inclusive. But I want to say that Christianity is the most inclusive religion ever. It's the most inclusive thing ever. Because it's open to everybody. It's open to the guy who totally wrecked lots of people's lives. It's open to the guy who feels like a failure. It's open to the girl who has self-image problems. It's open to the old man who's, who's felt lonely his entire life. It's open to everybody because it doesn't depend on how good you are. It depends on how great Jesus is, how generous God is. And I tell my dad that all the time. I tell my dad, there is no better news in the world than it doesn't come down to how good a person you are. That it comes down to how good a person Jesus was. Because as we read our Bible, one thing is clear. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. The the battle is not up for grabs. Jesus won. And if we're on his team, we win because of this kind of grace. The kind of grace that says once you trust him, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how you view yourself. It doesn't matter how many times you stuff up. Because the offer of grace goes out to everybody. And that's great news. In fact, that's such great news that we go out on mission and we tell people about it. How good was the story? of Was it Violet? How good was the story that somebody in a nursing home hears about Jesus and says, I I want that? How how good is the story about the the atheist lady who, who is so blown over that a bunch of young guys care so much to tell them about Jesus that they consider coming to church? The greatest news, the message of grace is that it's open to anyone. You don't have to pass tests. You don't have to do good deeds. You just got to trust in the one who's already won. And so on this night of victories, we celebrate that Jesus' death can be for all of us. No matter where you're at, we have to come back to that victory can feel either really, really good or not so good. And so my guess is, when you were at that nursing home and, and, and you saw the smile on that lady, at, how good must that have felt? And anyone who's been in that situation where you've seen people come to know Jesus for the first time, there is no better feeling. You feel that victory. But what about the days that you go out and tell people about Jesus and you just get your head bitten off? What about those times that you share your face, faith on Facebook And you get comment after comment after comment. And none of them are good. It doesn't feel very victorious, does it? The reason we can keep on going into mission is that people like that, God hasn't given up on. People like me when I was 18, God didn't give up on. 
People like your friends. People like the ones in the retirement village. God does not give up on people. Because it doesn't come down to us. Because He is an incredible God of grace. And friends, when we realize that, when we match those two things together, that Jesus wins and that it's up to grace, you can go out and you can risk getting your head bitten off. You can risk being unfriended by people. And you know what? God hasn't given up on them either. Because our God is a God of grace. Our God is a God whose door is wide open. Our God is a God who accepts anybody and everybody. No matter where you've come from, no matter what you've done, and the same is true for the people we're trying to reach. With Jesus, the door is wide open. He comes and seeks you out. He has won the victory. And and incredibly, he invites us to be a part of spreading that victory news to the world. Is that not the best news you've heard? If, If you don't think that's the best news that you've heard, Go and chat to your your youth group leader. Chat to the person who you came with. Come and chat to me afterwards. I'll hang around. Um, Because I haven't done my job well enough if you can't see that that is the best news in the world. And once you've got that news, never, ever stop telling other people about it. In the good times and in the bad. Because Jesus wins. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that the first will be last and the last will be first. That you turn this world upside down. That it's not, survive, it's not salvation for those who are good looking. It's not salvation for those who are good moral people. Because that would mean that some of us would never make it. But thank you that salvation, thank you that victory is open to anyone and everyone. All we have to do is trust you. All we have to do is say thank you to Jesus who died for us. Send us out on mission each and every day, not just this weekend, but send us out all the time. And when things are going well, and when things are going badly, help us to know that Jesus wins and to praise him for that.